Welcome to Biblical Truth Made Simple. You know, a lot of us look healthy on the outside, but there's some things going on the inside that aren't so healthy. For example, I look good on the outside, I look pretty healthy on the inside, yet I have high blood pressure and I have diabetes. There's stuff on the inside going on that just isn't right. And so it is with our spiritual lives. There's many of us who appeal pious and Christian on the outside, but on the inside, things aren't so good. And so it is in Luke chapter 16, where Jesus confronts the Pharisees about things that are going on on the inside. So join us for our newest podcast where we discover that it's what's inside that counts. I've spent the last 29 plus years of my life looking inside of people, and as a result, I have an extensive knowledge of cross-sectional anatomy. Or to put it another way, I know where all the parts are. I've been trained to detect disease in the liver, the kidneys, the pancreas, the gallbladder, and other internal organs. Yet, while I can see abnormalities, to really determine what's going on, you need a biopsy. That is, we need to take a piece of the tissue, send it to a pathologist, they then put it through a sample of tests and a series of tests, and they look at it under a microscope and determine exactly what's going on. There are times when we need a spiritual biopsy. We need to examine very closely the things within our lives. We need to reevaluate our priorities to see if we're living for God or whether we're living for men or just for ourselves. In Luke 16, Jesus gives us the parable of the dishonest manager, which tells of a man and his love for money and his desire to do anything to get it. The Pharisees, upon hearing this, respond to Jesus knowing they are the primary character in this parable. Luke 16, verses 14 through 16. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all these things and they ridiculed him. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. The law and the prophets were until John. Since then the good news of the kingdom is preached, and everyone forces his way into it. But it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one dot of the law to become void. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all these things, and they ridiculed him. Speak of God, and there are few people that will find that insulting or even a problem. The Pharisees believe in God. They taught God to the people. They taught God's law to the people. They worshipped and made sacrifice in the temple. There are many today who believe in God, or at least in a God of some sort. This God that many people believe in does not hold you accountable for your actions, yet holds those that hurt you accountable for their actions. This God shows us and allows us to live lives as we see fit, as long as we do some good for others. We don't need to adjust our lives to God's will, but we can adjust God's will to our lives. So it was with the Pharisees. They did not see any of their actions being contrary to God's law or God's will. They did all the right things. And so it's been throughout the ages. As long as I'm doing the right thing, as long as I'm being a good person, I have nothing to worry about. What we often fail to understand is that the right thing in our own eyes or the right thing in the eyes of men is not always the right thing in God's eyes. Matthew 23-27 through 27 describes the Pharisees in this way. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like the whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and uncleanness. Back in Luke, he says, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. 
For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Like the Pharisees, the Christian church today, sadly, is a whitewashed tomb. We worship God in song, we speak his word, we gather and claim to be God's children, we claim to be in Christ, and yet we embrace many things that are abomination to God. Why? Because in the eyes of men we are then seen righteous and good. Because we embrace the things of man. Seven million babies have been sacrificed and the church is silent. When was the last time you had a call to stop abortion from the pulpit? I've attended churches where, away from the pulpit, the pastor will say abortion is wrong. He will call it murder, yet only speaks of it passing in any sermon that he gives. The church in increasing numbers embraces homosexuality, transgenderism, LGBTQ plus 5,000 in the name of tolerance. The world calls us to be tolerant, and that's not a bad thing in itself. We are to be tolerant. We are to accept and love people of all color, age, political view, religion. We are to love our neighbors, but not at the expense of truth. John 13, 34 says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. Yes, Jesus loves us. He loved us to the point of death on a cross. While that was the ultimate display of his love, it was not the full extent of how he loved. He loved us by being a servant. On the night he was betrayed, he washed the feet of the disciples. He did not think of himself better than those that he taught. We are to be humble in the same way. This too, though, can be taken to the extreme. We can actually love people to death. Jesus also loved us by rebuking sin and rebuking us. The call of the gospel is not Jesus loves you and wants to be a king of your heart and wants to just have you love everybody else. It's not come and live like you want and God will still love you. The call of the gospel is repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And the pulpits are full of people praising God's grace and mercy and ignoring the fact that he is just and he is holy. Instead of being interventional in the lives of the people in the church, the church has become an enabler of sin. Instead of saving people for a life in heaven, we are sending them to hell. Luke 17 verses 1 through 2 says, And he said to his disciples, Temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe! to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and that he were cast into the sea that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. As go the pulpits, so goes the church. Christian, that does not remove any responsibility from you in your life. You know, at the Nuremberg trials after World War II, the most common defense given by those on trial was well, I was just following orders. When the shepherd is driving the sheep off the edge of a cliff, we need to question the motives of the shepherd. We need to stand up and turn around. While the primary responsibility of the pulpit is to teach the truth of God's word, it is the responsibility of the Christian to know what is being taught and what is being taught is actually truth. We are not to follow blindly without question. And yet, Christian, many of us do. It's not just the pulpit that is righteous on the outside and dead on the inside. It is the individuals as we seek to justify ourselves before men. We want to be seen as intolerant and accepting in the way we live. 
the Christian on an individual basis also can be a whitewashed tomb. With the exception that the Christian goes to church, there's nothing different about them than those don't go to church. Hell is filled with people who went to church every Sunday, did not swear, did not drink alcohol, and did not steal, did not lie, or cheat. Luke 16, 16-17 The law and the prophets were until John. Since then, the good news of the kingdom was preached, and everyone forces his way into it. But it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one dot of the law to become void. Up until John the Baptist, the standard for piety was the law. The payment was sacrifice in the temple. Jesus did not come to abolish the law. He came to abolish the temple. That's the good news. The news that the kingdom of God was at hand. The final sacrifice was to be made. We cannot force our way into salvation by the law apart from Jesus. The law is not void because of what Jesus has done, but has become even more relevant as it points to the fact that we need a Savior, that we are doomed apart from Christ. It is not our outward actions that determine whether we are in Christ, though there should be an outward appearance of an inward change. That change is not the result of our desire to be seen righteous by men, but an inward changing of our hearts and a desire to be seen righteous by God. We can do all things right and yet still be condemned to hell. But God knows your heart. You have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You have heard it said, to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Our actions are a direct result of where our hearts are. Do you not see that whatever goes into your mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile. But to eat what unwashed hands does not defile anyone. If it is within our hearts to seek approval from men, then our actions will be according to what our hearts desire. If our hearts are seeking the approval of God, then our actions will be according to what our hearts desire is. We cannot nor shall we seek to serve two masters. Only one master leads to life, only one master leads to joy, and only one master leads to peace. Embracing all the ways of men and being seen righteous before man is not going to get you into heaven. Being a good person is not going to get you into heaven. We cannot be justified by man and still be justified by God. Everything that God stands for down to the gospel itself, is an abomination to men. It is an insult to men. It is contrary to the laws of man. You cannot embrace these things and still be called a child of God. So why do we embrace these things? Why does the church embrace these things? We can go back to verse 14. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all these things, and they ridiculed men. We love the things of this world. Too many churches today are not in it for God. They're in it to fill the church. The more people, 
the more money that comes into the church. It becomes about popularity with man instead of authority and approval by God. Christian, we are the same. We seek the approval of men because if we seek the approval of God, men will ridicule us. They'll call us intolerant, homophobic, transphobic. We are misogynistic. We are against women's reproductive rights. Nobody likes to be called names. But that's all they are is names. None of these names can send you to hell. But being against God, standing against God's word, being contrary to who God is, and living a life apart from God, that will send you to hell. It's on the inside that counts. Sin is like a tumor. Once we start embracing it, it slowly begins to grow bigger and bigger in our lives, until it eventually completely consumes us, and we no longer seek God, but we seek ourselves and we seek man. Every now and then, we need to take a moment we need to look inside and perhaps to do a spiritual biopsy. We need to see the things in our lives that are drawing us away from God and begin to do more of the things that draw us to God. When's the last time you opened up your Bible and actually read it? And I don't mean just opening up in the morning and diligently saying, oh, I read my chapter today. I'm out of here. Actually read it consumed it, looked at every dot, every the, every is, and every and, and let it truly speak to you. When was the last time you actually prayed? And I'm not talking about around the dinner table. I'm talking about actually spending time with God, spending those quiet moments listening to his voice as you speak to him. When was the last time that you sang a praise song that brought a tear to your eye? When was the last time you heard a sermon that stabbed you in the heart? When was the last time that you were actually near God? We need a spiritual biopsy. We need a heart transplant. We need to do everything that we can do to be closer to God. Is that going to cause problems in your life? Oh, you bet. Are people not going to like you? Sure. Does it matter? No. We've got to quit thinking that if I do this or if I do that, if I, if I don't drink, if I don't swear, if I don't, I'm going to be good. No. The only true way to joy peace is with a relationship with Christ. And like any relationship, that relationship needs work. You need to spend time together. You need to live a life devoted to him. Yes, Jesus loved us. He loved us to the point of death. God sent his only son to be born of a virgin, to live a perfect life, only to die on the cross, bearing the full weight of your sin and my sin upon his shoulders so that we could live again. He died and rose on the third day, defeating death. But more importantly, because he rose, he now sits at the right hand of God, the king. The king lives, and we are in his kingdom. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. It is here today. And today is the day that you should seek him, that you should give up trying to do this on your own. You should give up the ways of man, 
and look for the approval of God. And only in that can you truly find peace. Can you truly find what you're really looking for? You need a spiritual biopsy. You need a change in your life. You need to have that tumor of sin removed and replaced with the true love of God and the truth of God's word. Father, I pray that our hearts are turned to you, that we do not seek the ways of men, but we seek the ways of God. And knowing that when we do this, we are going to meet trouble, tribulation, persecution, but it's all worth it because we are living for you. And you are our strength, you are our peace, and you are faithful to those who follow you. I pray that we have the strength to do that, that our hearts and minds are focused upon you, and that for those that are hearing this, if they don't truly know you, that they come to know you, that you remove that heart of stone and replace it with the heart of flesh. And for those that do know you, that they refocus their lives upon you, that you give us that desire, that overwhelming desire to know you and to know you alone. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope that your heart is now focused where it needs to be focused. Because God sees the heart. We can do all the right things, but if our heart is not in the right place, it is all in vain. And until we meet again, may the road rise up to meet you. May the wind always be at your back. And God forever hold you gently within his hands. Mm -hmm.